The rest of us, let's open our Bibles to Colossians. And if you, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, there's one provided for you under the seat in front of you or the one you're sitting on. Because uh, I would hate for you to miss an opportunity to have the Word of God in your hands, the Word of God in your mind, to uh, read it yourself. And maybe if, uh, as you're going through, you'll find a verse that jumps off the page and you'll, you'll be caught up the whole rest of the sermon in just that verse. But if it's about God and His Word, this time here, this 15 to 20 minutes, when we focus on the Word, let's do that. Father, thank you for your Word. Thank you for the opportunity to open it, to be opened by it. And Lord, we do pray that your Word would have its way with us. It would correct us and rebuke us and encourage us and challenge us. And it says in your Word that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of Christ. So God, we all need our faith deepened, strengthened. We need our eyes of our hearts and our minds redirected on you often. We're thankful for one another. We're thankful for your word. And just uh, have your way with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. So the story is told about a family in Europe who, uh, this was many, many years ago when they still traveled over to America more often by ship than by airplane. And this family, <coughs> this family had saved money over an extended period of time so they could buy the tickets for their voyage. And they were uh, not... Uh, not used to traveling and not used to the whole arrangements and they didn't they, this money was precious to them and they basically spent almost all they had to just get the per, purchase the tickets and so with uh, their small amount of uh, stuff they had with them and the last little bit of uh, cash they bought some groceries and got on board the ship and it wasn't long that the groceries that they brought along with them ran out and they were getting hungry and so about the fifth day the dad said here's my last nickel he gave it to his kids and go see if you can get yourself uh, something an apple or an orange and so the kids pretty excited about that because they were all very hungry they ran up to the or down or over to the galley that's where the the, the kitchen is and the food and they didn't come back for quite some time. And when they came back, the parents noticed they were just jumping for joy and they were walking like they were just stuffed. And they said, Dad, we, and what, and Dad asked, what's going on? He said, well, Dad, we just got, where you been? We, well, we got there and we found out that not only do we have a ticket to ride from Europe to America, but with the ticket came all the food we want. So we've been eating. That's why it took us so long to get back. We didn't have to just buy an apple or an orange. We had steak. We had potatoes. We had gravy. And so it came with the ticket, and they didn't realize it. And so it's interesting. We've been going through this letter to the Colossians. 
And Paul was uh, told, he was told that the Colossian church was facing several forms of deception. And there were groups and individuals that were trying to rob them of what they had in Christ. All the, the wonders and the glories that they had in Christ. And even the enemy, our enemy, it says in Scripture, that he, he day and night, he, the accuser of the brother accuses us. And so they were attempting through fine-sounding arguments, deceptive philosophies, the Jewish traditions, angel worship, through the basic principles of the world, through religious regulations and rituals, all of the things were trying to lead the Colossians away from a close walk with Jesus. And we face some of those things today, and you face things in your life, I face things in my life that want to belittle Jesus, diminish Jesus in our minds and our hearts, and do everything that, that they can, the enemies of God, to distract us from a walk with Jesus. Right? And so I want to take some time this morning, we're going to read a section out of Colossians, and then I just want to remind us what came with the ticket. You, you Right now, you might be just barely getting by because you're not recognizing all that comes with the ticket. And the ticket is being the person of Jesus. So when Paul wrote to these Colossians, he was writing back there, so this letter exalts Christ. And we've been trying to point that out as we've gone through. And we've come now, as we've gone through verse by verse, <clears throat> We're in, we're in chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. And we, did, we talked about each of those verses up to that. But I just want to read this section here, <clears throat> probably from verse 6 on. It says in 2.6, So then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue, <clears throat> continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human traditions and the basic principles of the world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In Him you were also circumcised in the putting off of your sinful nature. Not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism and raised with Him through your faith in the power of God who raised Him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and your uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So here again, we've read many statements up to this time about having our full riches in Christ. Uh, that we might know the mystery of God, namely Christ. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Christ. And now he's telling them that in Christ all the fullness of the deity lived. I mean, Jesus Christ was fully God. And then he says, and you have been given fullness in Christ. And just like those people on the ship, if they wouldn't have had food by the time they got across, I don't know how long that particular voyage was for them, 
But I read enough history. I know that in the early days crossing the Atlantic, they would have barely made it alive if they hadn't been given food. And just think of the fact that they, that all the food's available, but they didn't know it. They didn't know that it came with the ticket. So there's a person who's in Christ right now, and because of ignorance, because of um, laziness, because of inabilities, because of poor teaching, because of uh, un, not, not necessarily being diligent themselves to get into the Word, you or I, or we together, we may not know what we have in Christ. And so that's what Paul's saying. Listen, all the fullness, look at verse 9 and 10, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity, that just means all the fullness of Godness, God's nature, God's qualities, lives in Jesus. And you have been given fullness in Christ who is head over power, over every power and authority. And so I wanted to just take some time, and it's interesting, God has already been orchestrating, even through some of the songs that we sang this morning, and the focus that what we have in Christ, do we know what we have in Christ? And then after we go through a few of these scriptures, we'll go back and we'll share the Lord's table, the first time together in the new year to share the Lord's table. And again, take time to focus on Jesus. So we could stay right in Colossians, but I'm going to take a little journey and just share a few other places where we have what we have in Christ is pointed out in Scripture. So go toward Revelation. You come to Hebrews, James, and then you come to Peter. <clears throat> and I just want to point out in 1 Peter chapter 1, some of the things that we have in Christ, because He's the source and He's the supply. But if you don't know that in your life, some of these other things that are going to try, try to take preeminence over Jesus, that Jesus is set off to the side and He's not that all that important to you because you've got things clamoring for your attention, your heart, your focus, your desires, your passions. Same as there is for mine. But nothing compares when we see Him as He is and know Him as He is. So in Second Peter chapter 1, <clears throat> I'm going to start from right from the first verse. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior have received a faith as precious as ours. Do you consider your faith as precious? If you, if you did, you would care for it. <clears throat> and if you and I had to have our lives examined right now, what would the people who examined our life think that was precious to us? They would make a beeline to what we care for. And we've received a faith that is, is precious. And do we care for it? Do we build it up? Faith is built on hearing and hearing on the Word of Christ. How much attention do we give to Christ and His Word? Verse 2, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God. Again, we, have, uh, we know God through the face of Christ. 
That's why Paul was so earnest that these Colossians keep their mind fixed on Jesus. That Jesus wouldn't be distracted from. Thank you. That Jesus wouldn't be distracted from, but He would be the focus because, like I said, and like you read there, there's many fine-sounding arguments that were coming up against the Colossian people. In your life and in my life, there's many things, they're subtle, that try to distract us off of Jesus Christ, off of a focus on Him, off of building our life in Him and on Him. It goes on there, look at verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of His precious promises. So if you feel incomplete, or you're listening to the lies of the world that tell you, you know, Jesus is okay, but if you really want to be fulfilled, if you really want to have happiness, if you really want to have purpose, if you want your life really to matter, you need this, or you need this, or you need this. No. First Peter, or Second Peter, chapter 2, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. So Peter saying the same thing that Paul said in Colossians. You have been given fullness in Christ. It was interesting, as I've been studying this same particular verse for a couple weeks now, the section, I found out that there's many people like myself who couldn't plunge the depth of what this means. And I want to, one thing I'm working on as a preacher, it, this may shock you a little bit, uh, I'll have to clarify what I'm saying. I want to try to be more and more honest from the pulpit, more and more real from the pulpit. And you may think, well, what have you been lying to us? No, I haven't been lying to you, but when I read the passage, you have been full, given fullness in Christ. I have to tell you, I ask myself almost every day. I pace around while I'm praying. Lord, what could that possibly mean? What could it possibly mean? Why am I so needy? Why am I not satisfied? If I've been given fullness in Christ, and Christ is my all in all, if He's all that Scripture claims He is and says He is, why? Why? Why do I seek anywhere else? And so that's what I mean by being more honest. Just saying, I want this to be impacting me. If I was rooted and grounded in Christ, how do I remain in Christ? How do I get built up in Christ? So when the, the arguments come of... Uh, the human traditions and the religious rituals and regulations that and the philosophies, they don't bump me off my focus on Jesus. Because that's where I'm going to grow. That's where we're going to grow. That's where the completeness is. So re looking at the verse, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through His precious promises. So you flip back one book to First Peter chapter 1. So in 1 Peter chapter 1, I was in 2 Peter 1, now I'm in 1 Peter 1. 
First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope. Into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never per perish, spoil, or fade, kept for you in heaven who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last day. In this you greatly rejoice. That's an assumption. And it's a good assumption. We should be greatly rejoicing in this living hope that we've been given through the resurrection of Jesus. What are we looking for? What are we wanting Outside of Christ, and in Christ, everything is available to us that's going to be for our good. It goes on in First Peter. Peter goes on, and he says that uh, in the last, in these, in this, you greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer trials, troubles, difficulties in all kinds of things that come against us. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by the fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So that's completeness in Christ. And then, go back to Colossians. <coughs> and if you go the other way, instead of toward Revelation, you go the other way. You come to Philippians, and then you come to Ephesians. And this is one of my favorite places to land every once in a while in Ephesians chapter 1, when I need to be reminded of just what Carol shared with us earlier who we have and what we have and who we are in Christ, what He's done for us. Why Paul could say, you have been given fullness in Christ. So that's, a, that's for us to do some research. What, it, what could that possibly mean, fullness? The word fullness, I did look it up. It's a favorite word of mine, fullness. Favorite word of Paul's? It means complete. It also means amply supplied. It meant completing. It meant filling up. It meant wholeness. And it was used in these different ways in the scriptures. But it was the idea that the person who is um, full and fullness would have all that they need. And it makes me think of... Uh, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So you could interpret that two ways. I shall not want because He supplies, and I shall not want because what more could you want than an intimate relationship with the God of heaven and earth through His Son Jesus and the indwelling presence of His Holy Spirit. So in Ephesians chapter 1, there's a long list. 22 different things and I'm probably missing a few. And depending on how you categorize them, of why you would, Paul could say, and you have been given fullness in Him. You have been complete in Him. You are filled up in Him. Starting with verse 3. 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And he goes on, and he talks about these things. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In Him we have redemption through His blood. In Him the forgiveness of sins. In Him according to the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure which He purposed in Christ to be put in effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment. Verse 11, In Him we were chosen having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with his purpose of his will, in order that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So he just made a simple list. And if you were just to list those things out, um, he, we've been, he blessed us, he chose us, he predestined us, he adopted us, redeemed us, forgave us, lavished on us, informed us, he planned us, he included us, he marked us, he sealed us, forgave us. These are the things that we have in Christ. We also have, if there weren't included in that particular passage, you also have the fact that He justifies us, He sanctifies us, He reconciled us. We have the church family. We have friendships. We have encouragement. He told us that we're the salt and the light. He gives us joy and all the fruit of the Spirit. So when Paul was telling these Colossians, I almost want to just say, you know what? Let's go forward away from the time of the Colossians to today. Is your life not filled to the full? Is there any margin in your life? And what's it filled with? Do you set aside, set aside time specifically and aggressively you're in a war. And maybe you don't realize it. Why is it so hard to get into the Word? Why is it so hard to get into fellowship? Why is it hard to set time aside for prayer? Because we have an enemy, an enemy of our heart, an enemy of our soul, enemy of God. The world, the flesh, and the devil, they do everything they can to keep us away from intimacy with Jesus. Do you know what came with your ticket? And I don't mean to cheapen the gospel at all. But even you, when you were, you, we name the name Christ. It's a compact name. With it comes everything we can ask or imagine in God. And so we're talking about the big picture of what we have in Christ.
So I just want to take that brief trip through just a few verses to say this is some idea of what I think Paul meant when he said you have been given fullness in Christ. I can hear the Spirit of God telling me right now, Chris, you better tell your face. It's a phrase my wife often uses on me when I tell her I'm having a good day or I'm happy. And she goes, well, tell your face because I'm probably have a grumpy. But you've been given in Christ and I've been given in Christ. The riches of his presence, the riches of his person. Thank him for forgiveness and redemption and sanctification and justification. Thank him for the daily grace he gives us. Thank him for forgiveness. You have been given fullness in Christ. And we want to start off that way with uh, 2019. We want to continue to live in him, rooted and built up and in, in, in him, encouraged in the faith. And so... We're going to take some time now just to share the Lord's table. And uh, that each of us has a moment. We're supposed to stop. The scripture tells us to stop and examine ourselves. Take a look and say, hey, listen, this is, this is just a brief moment. We probably only spent 17 minutes going through some of the riches that we have in Christ. Feed on His Word on a daily basis. Bring your heart into His presence and your mind in His presence by studying from His Word and praying to Him in your personal time with Him. So when we come to the table, and uh, we're going to share a couple thoughts here before we start with our time, but mainly it's a time of reflection. It's a time to just say, hey, let's get back to the center. And if we've, for some reason, we allowed stuff, things, ourselves to push Jesus off to the side, is a time to just recalibrate, reconnect, to repent where we need to repent, to re-examine our focus. We have all of this in Christ. So you want to share a, a couple thoughts that why it's meaningful to you, Judy. 